Hello, I'm Rosemary Markovich. Welcome to Let God Speak. These days it is the scientists, not the religious people, who are preaching doom for our planet. People are worried, stressed and fearful as they look at a bleak future of global unrest. But there is hope for the future, mm. a bright hope. How do we find this bright hope of peace and rest? Have your Bibles ready as we explore this important topic. On our panel today, we have Leah Hodge and Harold Harker, and welcome both of you. Thank you. Thanks. Let's just take a moment to pray before we start reading God's Word. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to read your Word, to discuss the topics, and to bring out the truth that you have for us to understand. Mm. We praise you for your truth. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. And Jesus said that he is the truth. So help us to understand it today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The Bible paints a fearful picture of doom and gloom and tumultuous events in this world before Jesus comes. But despite this, Leah, what can God's people look forward to? Well, the Bible actually gives us many promises. Um, one is found in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, which tells us something amazing. So it says here, um, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has pre prepared for them that love him. So here we have a Bible promise that God has prepared eternal life for his people that not even words can express. Mm. And this can mm. give us so much hope in all these tumultuous times that we have something this great that we can't even really comprehend yet to look forward to. Mm, that's right. It's amazing. It's a beautiful promise. I really enjoy that one. Amos 3.7 tells us something important. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And this is also an amazing promise because God tells us through his promise, our prophets, before something actually happens. So let's look at what some prophets have to say. Harold, what does Daniel say about the events just before Jesus returns? Daniel says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch, over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. You know, considering the horrors that we see all around us in the world today, this time of trouble that Daniel speaks of is going to be even worse than that. That's quite a disturbing thought, isn't it? it? It brings a lot of worry to it. But Leah, what does Jesus say is going to happen in the world just before he comes? 
Well, it's interesting. In Matthew 24, the disciples ask Jesus a question that is a very good question. And, he, and they asked him, what is going to be the signs of the end of the world? And so in Matthew 24, we have like a description of all these events taking place. And so in Matthew 24, verse 7, I'm going to read just some of the description here. And it says, For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. And then if you jump down to verse 29, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from the heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Now, there's a lot of other signs that are, that are described here in Matthew 24. But what we can see is that there's going to be a lot of um, unrest happening, a lot of disease, wars breaking out, um, pestilences, which is diseases, which we're, what are we in right now? COVID. Um, and there's also going to be a lot of false deception in the religious world, which we didn't read in, in the verses that I've just read. There's also going to be signs of the natural world in the heavens, earthquakes, the, the sun and the, the, the stars are going to fall from heaven. So it's interesting when you study the Bible, though, these things are happening and have happened. That's right. So we're very close to Jesus's return. I, I believe we are. Let's look at um, Revelation chapter one and verse one, because this is a very important book. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. The book of Revelation is prophetic. It's the last book of the Bible. So, Harold, tell us the circumstances around John writing this final book. John was sent in exile to Patmos. It was a small Greek rocky island and he was an old man. He could have been 90. He was the last of the 12 apostles who were still alive at this time. He was given a vision by Jesus himself. Let me read this to you. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Mm. You know, he's told to write it in a book. That book is the book of Revelation. Mm. And he sent it out to those churches. It's an extremely book of prophecy that talks about the last day events. And we all need to understand that. Well, Leah, what does the book of Revelation show us about last day events? It's actually quite detailed if you study Revelation, but there's a, a kind of summary that we can find in Revelation 13. So if we want to turn to Revelation 13, we're going to read verse 15 through to 17. And this is a really serious time for God's people. And it says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause 
that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So this is is talking about a lot here, but basically um, faithful Christians at this time are going to be persecuted and not just persecuted. There's going to be a death decree where they will face death, certain death, if we don't receive the mark or the Mm. name of the beast. So there's tough times ahead for those who love God. Mm -hmm. So, Harold, how do we deal with those times and still find rest and peace? Well, Revelation talks about these events that are going to come. We know what's coming. And so if you know, you can prepare yourself, you know, knowing what is coming and how God is going to save his people. That brings reassurance Mm. and peace to you. Revelation outlines our purpose and our responsibility, knowing that. And at this time in history, I believe it's the end of the world nearly. Mm. Our task is to tell others about God's judgment, what's coming and help them prepare for the coming of Jesus and have that peace and assurance. Well, that's right. That's a very good summary that you've just given. So let's see what last day Christians need to do. According to Revelation 14, verses 6 to 11, um, these refer to the three messages that are going to go to the whole world Leah, what does it mean that these messages are being given by angels? So, yeah, if you read Revelation 14, verse 6, um, it talks about angels flying in the midst of heaven and they have something that's called the everlasting gospel to preach unto the whole world. So this, um, I guess it gives us a sense of urgency that this message is coming. It's flying from heaven. It's for the world. It's a global thing. And it's, yeah, it's, it's important for us to look at these and understand them. Mm. So these are three Urgent messages given by three angels flying. Mm. So, Harold, what's the first message? Well, the first message is in Revelation 14, 6 and 7. And it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. So we must be preaching this gospel to the world, letting them know one, Jesus is the creator. He made all things. And then that's a crucial message when today evolution is everywhere. But the Bible says Jesus is the creator. And then the God's final judgment brings another crucial message that we today believe in a judgment there. Everything is going to come to an end and be fair at that time. That's right. It's going to be fair, a fair judgment. So, Leah, what's the second message? So we can find the second message in Revelation 14, verse eight. And it says, and there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. 
So we are to tell the world about this false religious power that has fallen. It's called Babylon and it's fallen. And if we study the books of Revelation and of Daniel, we can actually identify who this power is and be able to tell the world about it. Mm, Very much so. So there is a final third message. Why is this message so important to go to the world? Let me read that message, Revelation 14, 9 to 11. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark in his forehead or in his hand, he himself shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Mm. You know, this is a global, uh, the end of all things. And we see here, worship is a key. Either you will worship the beast or you'll worship God. And so its message here is to everyone, worship God, the creator. He's got the everlasting gospel. And now don't worship the beast. If you worship the beast, there's no rest, but you can have rest in Jesus. Yes, if you worship the the one that we're told to worship, that's God. These three messages can be summed up like this. The first message is God's truth. The second message is Satan's lies. Yep. The third message is your choice. Your choice will have eternal consequences. Either you will worship God and have eternal life or you'll worship the devil and have eternal death. But you have to make the choice. Each one of us has to make the choice of what we are going to do with these messages. So, Leah, what are the characteristics of the faithful people of God at this time? So there are two characteristics that are revealed in Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. And it's very important that we consider these two characteristics. It says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. So at the end of time, these people have made a choice to follow all the Ten Commandments, not just nine of them or eight of them. They have, they're following God's law, including the seventh day Sabbath, which is a call to creation, to remember God's creation. And they're patiently waiting for Jesus to come, even through all this um, pressure to worship the beast and his Mm -hmm. image. They are choosing to not do that. And while they're doing that, they're reflecting the character of God. They're reflecting the character of Jesus in their lives. So, Harold, do these people have peace? They have the faith of Jesus. You know, Jesus kept the commandments Everything he did was service to others. He was one with the Father and he had peace. You know, he could even sleep when he was in a boat the disciples thought was going to go down in a storm. Let me read that. Mm. It's in Mark chapter 4 and verse 39 and 40. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? 
How is it that you have no faith? You know, the peace that these people in the end of time will have because they're one with Jesus. Even the storm and the winds may have nothing. So if you are with Jesus, you are safe and there's peace. Mm. So for centuries... Christians have believed Jesus promised that he's going to come again, but they have died without seeing it happen. But they've died knowing that he has promised and he will actually achieve it. He will come back because when he promises something, he delivers. Amen. So what does this Bible say about these people who have died in faith, Leah? Look, it's, it's a beautiful, actually, verse here in Revelation 14, verse 13. Um, it says that those who have died, it says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, this is John writing, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. So after living a life of service to God, after proclaiming the message um, to the world, even though they're laid in the grave and they're resting till Jesus comes, they're actually, their works do follow them. Their life, their witness, um, they are still witnessing to people today mm. about how they've stood up for God in, in last times. But they're resting in the grave till Jesus comes. And it's beautiful. That, that is a wonderful thought that they're resting there. We Harold, call it a comment? legacy, don't we? Yeah. They've left it for us. Yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Let me read to you Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and verse 13. Talking about these people who've lived and worked for Jesus and believed in him, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers on the earth. Now, there's evidence here. They weren't in heaven. They haven't received the promises. They died in faith, but they're asleep in Jesus. That's right. They haven't received the promises yet. Not before all of God's people do. So many people today believe that you go straight to heaven when you die. Mm. And we're just reading this verse that seems to say different to that. So what did Jesus say about death, Harold? Jesus had a lot to say about death but he gave it a name of what it is. Mm. Let me read this. He's in John chapter 11 and it's verse 12 to 14. This is what he said. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them, Lazarus is dead. He said he sleeps. We knew he was dead. This is Lazarus. But the disciples said, well, when he said he's asleep, well, you'll get better. Mm. But he calls death asleep until he comes. Mm. Yeah, there's actually another um, example in the Bible um, about Jesus calling death sleep. And he kind of takes people by surprise with this word sleeping. But here is another. uh, It's in Mark chapter five. I'll just read it here in verse 38 to 40. It says, And he, talking about Jesus, comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and sees this tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why are you making all this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, 
he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And so here we see this, this little girl had died um, and they were weeping, they were mourning. And Jesus comes in and goes, why are you making all this commotion for? She's just sleeping. It's the same, mm. he uses this as sleeping. And isn't that great? Because when you're sleeping, you don't know what's going on. Correct. Yeah, and so he raises her up and um, she becomes back to life. So yeah, there's another example of the way Jesus uses that word for death mm. and sleep. So Leah, when is Jesus going to raise his people from the dead? Well, we're going to go to the Bible <laughs> again. Uh, let God go. speak. John 6. Um, let's go there. John 6 verse 40. And it says here, when's this going to happen? And it says here, and this is the will of him that sent me. Je- Jesus is speaking here that everyone which sees the son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Mm. So it's not until the last day um, when all is done that we will be raised up, those who have died in the Lord. It seems pretty plain. Yeah, that's right. Well, so Harold, does this view of death being asleep bring comfort to those who are still living? Absolutely. Very, very much so. You know, if our faithful loved ones have been suffering and many people before they die, they suffer pain, they have a serious illness and then death comes. But it's a huge relief and comfort to know that they aren't suffering further. They're asleep when they die and they're waiting in the grave until Jesus comes to resurrect them. You know, I just thought back, the very first reference said, when Michael stands up, there'll be that time of trouble. But then he says, and uh, at that time, your people shall be delivered. At that time, not now, not now, but when Jesus comes, they'll have the sleep and they awake to a newness of life. I know that when my father died, I felt such peace. Amen. When I realised He doesn't know anything. Mm. He doesn't even know he ever lived. He's oblivious to everything. We're the ones who know that he is no longer here, but he doesn't know anything. And to me, that is just a wonderful thing that God does. He is so kind and so Mm. thoughtful. So when um, did Jesus, uh, when Jesus died on the cross, did he rest in the grave? He did. As the Bible reveals to us um, in the story of Luke 24, verse 52 to 54, describes to us um, the day that Jesus died, then when he was in the grave and then um, also when he was uh, resurrected the next day. So it says that this man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus and he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone wherein never man had laid before. And the day was the preparation day and the Sabbath was drawing on. So we have Jesus dying on the Friday or called the preparation day in the Bible. And the Sabbath was drawing on, which was the next day. And so he on the seventh day rested in the grave. He rested from his work. You know, he rested in creation when he made the world in six days and rested in the seventh. And when he had finished um, the, the plan of redemption and he was resting from his work that he had done for us in the grave. And then he was um, rose on Sunday, um, the next day, um, the first day of the week. So Jesus rested on the Sabbath That's in right. the grave. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So Paul, 
had more than his share of trials and afflictions in this life. He was shipwrecked, imprisoned, mm -hmm. beaten, stoned, lashed. He suffered hunger and cold and many other things that he lists in the, in the Bible. And it's amazing what he went through, all because he believed in Jesus. Right. And so Harold, what advice did he give us about having peace and rest amid trials? Well, this guy had been through all the troubles. This is what he says. Philippians 4 and verse 4 onwards, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Mm. And so whether we have uh, our needs or our wants, we can leave them with the Lord and he will care for us. Let's rejoice that we can have that peace, that assurance in Jesus. And that's what Paul had. That's right. Amid all that he suffered. Yeah. He actually said Content, uh, godliness with contentment great is gain. great gain. Yes, and I, I really enjoy that verse. So Leah, is it easy to be content when you are suffering? <laughs> I would say the answer is no, it's not easy to be content. But you know what we can have? Well, Paul says we can have contentment. Well, that's the Bible, so we can believe in that. But we can have peace. Amen. We can have peace through suffering when we take God at his word, like that pr promise you just read in Philippians 4 verse 6, to be anxious for nothing, but through everything, through whatever you're going through, to really trust in God's goodness. Yeah. Um, you can have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And so it may not be easy, but peace is like the one thing this, this world needs. It does. And, and not the artificial that. way that the world trusts. Sure. That's right. So Harold, what is the result of trusting in God in everything despite your circumstances, what you're going through. If you put your trust in him, you know that he's in control and he's going to bring the best for you. So I just trust him. It doesn't matter what the circumstance, I just have faith in him. And that brings the assurance and the faith and the peace that Jesus says it passes all understanding. It does. That's wonderful. And there's a couple of verses on peace that I love. And one of them is Isaiah 26, verse 3, where it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, perfect peace. whose mind is stayed on thee. Mm -hmm. Why? He because trusts. he trusteth in thee. Mm -hmm. If we trust in God, he can keep us in perfect peace. And Jesus promised us in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. Jesus has promised us peace that he gives to us, not as the world gives. And we don't have to be troubled or afraid right. if we put our trust in God. Amen. So I hope you've been blessed by what we've been talking about today as this series of 13 studies come to a, a close, the series on rest in Christ, whatever is personally going on in your life, Jesus longs to give you peace that passes all understanding. Here, he is there for you today, tomorrow and forever. His plans are greater than you can ever imagine. Remember Jesus' words, 
He who endures to the end shall be saved. Trust his strength to see you through life's challenges and be at peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. God bless you until next time. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.